Hello and welcome to They Arrived as Aztecs, an Aston Villa women podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. This is episode 8 and as always I'm your host Regan, you can find me on Twitter at findfoy and I'm joined today by Mark. What's going on, everybody? This is Mark Jerobi here. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. we got a lot to talk about, especially with the Coventry result that we've seen this past weekend. But first, I want to talk about Regan wrote a pretty outstanding article on undergaslitlamp.com about the Aston Villa women overtaking Birmingham City as maybe the more successful and the more promising women's side in the Midlands. Uh, yeah, Regan, you want to give a little bit of talk about your, your article? It was really interesting. Anyone who hasn't, hasn't read it, go ahead and over to the website. It's under the Villa Women's tab on the site. Yeah, so for obviously a prolonged period of time, Aston Villa haven't enjoyed dominance um, over their bitter rivals, Birmingham City, in women's football. Obviously, it's been the case in the men's football, but you know the club's so-called noisy neighbours have reigned over the women's game in the Midlands for for quite some time, and you know they host a similar honour to to Villa in that Birmingham City women were founding members of the Women's Super League just nine years ago. Right now, Birmingham aren't necessarily enjoying the same successes that they were. You know, they've won. Uh, I think they've won a Conti Cup. They've finished runners up at least once and finished runners up in the uh, WSL. I think at least twice. Uh, but they're currently the side in the WSL that has amassed the most losses across the season, or at least they were when I wrote the article. Uh, and I think they were sitting a singular point and two league positions above the relegation zone, which was, as I wrote the article, occupied by Bristol City women. I think with you know investment, uh, new new talent, and obviously the help of Aluko, I think that the Villa women's side could topple Birmingham City as the the premier women's footballing outfit in the Midlands. It might not happen next season. We never know. It might. Birmingham could get relegated, but I think that they 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 could quite easily become the new you know dominant force in the Midlands at least. No, I can completely agree with that. I think I just think there's so much positivity going on with the Aston Villa win right now, especially with uh, Enia Luca coming in. And Christian Persley seems to absolutely love to talk about how important the women's uh, game must become for Aston, Aston Villa as a football club again, whether it's the men or the women's side, just having not only the kind of investment from the new owners, but also having the right people in place to want to succeed. So, um, you know, you talk about the noisy neighbor aspect of Birmingham City, and they have had fe- have really, really 
good football clubs for their women's side there in, in the past couple of years, uh, you know, maybe even longer. Uh, but for, for Villa, I just think it's so important to get back on, on a positive track. Um, and, and they're doing really, really well right now in the league and, and they're, they're playing really nice football. So I, I think that they could definitely take over Birmingham city as far as being like the Midlands giant for women's football. But I mean, we have to see how, how this Villa team is going to fare once they get promoted. And that's me being optimistic. I know they're going to get promoted this season. Well, yeah, they currently are six points ahead of second-placed Sheffield United women and six games away from an invincible season after a strong showing against ninth-placed Coventry United ladies at Boldmere yesterday afternoon. And as it stands, they are currently four wins away from being... uh, What's the word? I can't think of the word. I was going to say titled, but... Crowned, crowned is the word I'm looking for. Crowned as the champions of the FA Women's Championship. So it's it started quite well for Aston Villa women. You know, um, striker Shania Hales has proven that she can take up the mantle of league goalscorer. Quite quite recently, uh, you know, Melissa Johnson's early season form has subdued just a little, and she's she's been setting the tone across a number of games. Shania Hales. And she did exactly that in this game when Sophie Haywood burst down the left-hand side and played a teasing ball into the former Birmingham City woman forward. But Coventry sick keeper Sue Wood was alert and smothered the ball. However, it took just 11 minutes for the home side to open the scoring. Emma Follis curled in a corner that centre-back Jade Richards met in the air, heading home to put Aston Villa women in a strong position early on in the game. Yeah, and that that's how the these Villa women have been playing. That they just they come out of the gate so fast, and and they it they get to a game plan. And in this game, we've seen a little bit more of the skill players than more of the grit players that were employed by head coach Gemma Davies. And that's okay. I mean, that maybe that's just you know something that she can look at going forward for the last remaining games of the season. That she's able to get some players on there that have a little bit more skill, a little bit more gal, maybe a little bit more technically adept than anything else. Um, so yeah, it, it worked perfection. And what a ball in from the corner from Emma Fallis. Yeah, I think, you know, the, the the decision to put the more flair players in was the right one. You know, it was a strong decision. I think you need players with a bit more grit for the games against Durham, against Sheffield, the ones that you could quite easily lose. But I think there's a difference in talent, perhaps, between Aston Villa women and Coventry United ladies. But more so than talent, there's a difference in investment, and I think that was, you know, input. That's important to highlight because whilst uh, every team, I think, in the WSL is a professional outfit, a lot of the teams in the Championship are semi-professional or not even at that level. Uh, and Coventry United, uh, the recent arrivals in the league, and they are doing relatively well. They're not bottom, but it, it was the case of, you know, perhaps we don't need the the grit, the muscle that we we do against the better teams in the division and we can we can try and style out a win here. Yeah, and I agree with you on terms of the the investment from other teams in the league. Look, it's it's tough for the women's game, and it's not only just you know something that happens in England. It's all across the world where teams don't have a bankroll behind them, and they, they you know don't have the greatest training facilities, um, may, may not have you know the best uh, merchandising or things like that. But um, 
that's why people that, that actually care about Aston Villa as a football club, that's why they need to start paying attention to the women's team a little bit more, in my opinion, because you actually have the investment at your back now, and you're bringing in players, and we've seen it this year. They're talented. They're fun to watch. They're exciting to watch. Um, so it, it's one of those things, where, like, yeah, with, with Coventry, you know, they are doing the best they can for what they have, but, I mean, there is a lot there for Aston Villa. There's a lot of promise there. They're, they're at a trajectory right now that this team really could be something special. And, again, we know that they're in a position to be crowned champions of the league and they're going to move up to the women's super league and you know it's it's a little bit of a question mark to how they're going to perform against some of the very 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 high invested sides of the women's super league but again i mean coventry had put in a pretty good account of themselves i think it was more individual uh players for aston villa women that uh that, that made this game the result that it ended up being well, just a minute after their first goal, the home side doubled their lead via Sharnia Hales. You know, she latched onto the end of a ball from Emily Soim to increase the advantage for Aston Villa women. And, you know, tuning up against Coventry within the first 12, 13 minutes, it just goes back to the kind of early game mindset that we've spoken about in earlier podcasts. Gemma Davies evidently wants her team to to start on the front foot, and it's something that the men's team needs to take a, a you know a leaf out of the Aston Villa women's book kind of thing. Uh, I think starting on the front foot and getting an early goal is so important in in football especially, and it's obviously held the Aston Villa women in good in good stead for this season. Yeah, it's definitely been a trend for them, and it's a positive one. And I, again, I agree with you about you know the men's side might want to take note a little bit. You know, different players, different situations, all that kind of thing. But it, it's it's very very important to come out and, and be switched on to have a game plan that you want to get get a foothold in the game as early as humanly possible. It, it's not always the case for the Aston Villa women. I'm not saying they do this every single game, but it's definitely been more the case of they come out, they're turned on. You're getting you're, you're seeing that players have an actual chemistry. They like being around each other. That 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 means a lot and that's not to say that's not happening with the men's side at all it's just that for Gemma Davies it seems like she really has this team together it seems like there's a really really healthy atmosphere in that room and and I just hope that that continues for the remaining games of the season it continues as they go up into the WSL next season so Emma Follis has received plaudits for her goals and technique this season but her footballing brain is something that needs to be complemented too. You know, she's provided a number of assists this season and she found herself with an opportunity to make it 3-0 in the 25th minute before she cut the ball to Sharnia Hales who doubled her tally for the afternoon. Follis has been a huge signing this season and I'd probably say that she's been the best signing within the revitalisation of, of Aston Villa women. You know, she's obviously vastly experienced and she's experienced in the league that Aston Villa are attempting to go into. So it's not like she's a short fix. She can make the step up because she's been there before. And I think that's such a strong investment and it's a testament to how much investment is going into the club. But as well, it's a testament to Emma for taking the step down to try and help her childhood team get promoted. Oh yeah, it's massive. I mean, it's it's almost like you know stuff that's made for for movies and and films and, and documentaries and stuff like that. Because you you really have to think like there there was nothing that said that Emma Fallis had to drop down a league uh, to help a club that even though it is you know dear to her heart, I think that shows the kind of personality that you want at a football club. So to be able to bring in a player of this caliber and look, Emma Fallis has it any which way you want it. Really, I mean, she can pass the ball, she can cross the ball, she showed skill on there. She's able to put in a crunching tackle whenever she has. We've seen her do it in a. Variety 
variety of ways with her performances. Um, you know, the thing that, that gets a lot of people that I talk to that watch the Villa Women is that Fallis makes it seem like it's it's really effortless. Like, it, it's just an instinct, and, and some players have that, and then we know, obviously know that some players don't. I think in the case of Emma Fallis, that footballing brain that she has definitely has to, you know, it has to be put on a pedestal a little bit. I really honestly believe she's probably one of the top three players at Aston Villa Women right now. I would have to agree. The second half provided more of the same for the home side as well. You know, they came into the game expecting points against a team that had been languishing near the foot of the table for the majority of the season. Um, but it was Shania Hales who bagged herself a hat trick for Aston Villa's fourth just a few minutes before the 70 minute mark. Melissa Johnson had recently come onto the pitch to re- replace Emma Follis. Um, you know, Hales has provided um, fine goal-scoring form of late. You know, she's provided with Villa with more dynamism in their squad selection and substitutions. And she's allowed Melissa Johnson, who I know works as a teaching assistant, a much-needed rest at stages throughout the season following her early season exploits. You know, Looking back at the season, where do you think this team would be without the form of, of Hales and Johnson? You know, they've both, they've both been a massive part of how... Aston Villa women have managed to play this season? Yeah, that's a tough question because, like, to take those two out of the equation with Hales and Johnson, like, you don't really, not to say there's not other players in this team that are capable of scoring goals, there really, really are. Especially we saw with Melissa Johnson earlier in the season, it's almost like she was being looked at, like, you're the focal point, it's just you. And and she, she rose to that challenge. I don't even necessarily think it was a challenge. I just think that, you know, she was in red hot form. But, you know, you talk, you talk about these two players without them. I don't know where Aston Villa would be at on the table. I don't know if they have a you know a gap on the top of the league or anything like that. So they're absolutely both sensational players, and and they kind of play you know not not wildly different. But there's there's things that you can tell whenever they play. You know Johnson does well that Hales might not not succeed at as much. But two fabulous players for Aston Villa women, and w- without them, I mean who who knows? It, it's it's such a hard thing to think of where they would be without their services. And the afternoon was topped off with the debut of Austrian international Sophie Meyerhofer as well. She joined the field of play for the final few minutes as she replaced the hat-trick hero Shania Hales. You know, Villa have a way to go until their next game, facing Lose FC on March 22nd. I would think more than likely they'll have a game scheduled before that, the uh, postponed game against Durham. Um, but you know th- that's one thing that promotion to the the WSL will provide, and that's more regular game time. You know, it, it's got to be a pain to have played a game and then have to wait another month for you know your 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 next game, I suppose. Yeah, that would be tough for me. And I, I I've uh you know I've played in uh, small just basically like Sunday leagues over here and um. Yeah, it's it's tough because sometimes like you can't get into a rhythm. So sometimes like if you have a massive massive gap of three and a half to four and a half weeks, like sometimes it's hard getting motivated for those kind of games. We haven't seen when there have been gaps in the schedule for the Aston Villa women. We haven't actually seen any type of, of you know lackadaisical play or anything like that. But man, can you imagine having to wait like almost a full month, you know, to to get get your next game in? So I'm, I'm hoping that Durham game gets rescheduled sometime between there. Um, I can't remember. Regan, was that was the Durham game uh, slated to be home or away? I uh, think it's a way. Yeah, I think so too. 
I, the only reason I was asking because like if they hopefully they they manage to put it like smack dab in the middle, they don't have to rush it out to where um you know the game is maybe played on March seventeenth, and all of a sudden you have to play two games that you know in a short span of time that you're not really recovered from. But um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see what the rest of the the season entails. I really want this team to finish as Invincibles. I'm also really excited to see the Aston Villa women live when I come over at the end of April. I believe that'll be against Crystal Palace, and that will be uh what the twenty sixth of April, I believe. Yep, 26th of April. So if you are a regular attender of uh, Aston Villa women games at Baldmere St. Michael's, both me and Mark will be there. Um, So come and say hello. Um, And even if you're not a regular attendee, then please do come along and watch the Aston Villa women. They play some absolutely spellbinding football. And I think... I'm not sure if that's the last game of the season or not. I can't remember. Even if it isn't... Um, we may see Aston Villa women crown champions that day. We we don't know, but it will be very worth your time to make the effort to come over to Boldmere, and I think that's probably the best way to end this week's podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed it, please share your thoughts with us on social media. Uh, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Make sure you like and subscribe and all that jazz. Um, follow us on social media at Villa Lamp on Twitter at under a gaslit lamp on instagram and forward slash under a gaslit lamp on facebook thanks for listening guys and up the villa women they're only four games away from getting promotion